Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. Today we're going to kind of veer in the direction of metrics. And we have the, I don't even know what to call, what do we call you in terms of your, your metricness? Should we just call um, you your metricness? I think it's more Enterprise Agile Planning Tool Unicorn. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So Jessica Wolf, the unicorn, is here to talk to us about very many things related to metrics. So you gave a talk recently at Tampa Bay Agile, and we're going to kind of start in the same vein but go in a slightly different direction. But what was the general general theme of the talk that you gave? The general theme was how pretty much any – agile planning tool that's out there, you can achieve success with it if you understand the problem you're trying to solve. <laughs> okay. So we've talked about this before, and, and I talk about this in all my classes, how we had that conversation where I said all the tools suck, and, and I wasn't going to say that. And you said, no, no, they do unless you configure them. And we've talked about how important that is um, to make sure that the tool is set up, and it's not just like, here's a box of Jira, go be agile. Right. Not to pick on Jira, because it could be any of the boxes of Agile stuff. But um, so, when you're explaining this to, to people at a different at a new company or in a talk, like how do you help them understand that they don't understand the problem? Because the problem is they don't have a Gantt chart. <laughs> I mean, isn't that isn't that where it starts though? Like the problem is I can't get the reports I used to get. I think the problem, so it's, it's not about the reports, right? But it's about having the visibility in the organization so you can have something like that report, right? Okay. Um, and, and you're right. And, and instead of Gantt charts, I'd like to use roadmaps. <laughs> no, no, but I'm, try, I'm trying but, to approach it from the yeah. perspective of somebody who is just switching over. So I don't know about roadmaps yet. I only know about what I used to have, the utilization, the Gantt chart, the stoplight report. So when you ask me what kind of reports do I want, that's what I want because I don't know any other questions. Yeah. So I think it comes down to, first and foremost, understanding um, the capabilities of your organization. Okay. And so, so the, we're going to hit on a lot of topics today. All right. So, I'm ready. Bring yeah, it. So first it's understanding the capabilities of your organization. Um not just your current state, but what your future state looks like. Because when we develop the tool, we want to make sure that you have visibility in those capabilities of your organization. So as we're building out, and these tools use the term projects, essentially it's a group of um, like work in the same um, um, compartment, right? Okay. So you can do it by teams, program, portfolio, depending on how large or small and, and how you want to see it. So. So not thinking about what the best practice is, but thinking about what do I need to see in my organization. So once I understand the capabilities, then define what do my teams look like today from the top down and the bottom up, and what do they need to look like so I have visibility into all of my capabilities. Okay. Uh, Hold on. I want to ask you some questions. Yeah. I, all right. So you're talking about understanding current and future states. So I'm, I'm when you're talking through that, I'm thinking like I need to set up the tools so that right now – I can see something that's as close to what I'm used to seeing as possible, but I can also see that I'm not getting the answer that I want to be getting and that I'm going to try to change how I report and track work so that I can move more towards like shifting the information from one bucket to the other. Is that a fair way to think of it? You know, I, I, 
I want to say yes, but I, I don't want to say yes. <laughs> okay. um, a fair way to think about it, because it's not about um, I want to get the reports that I used to get. It's about understanding the problem that you're trying to solve within your organization now. And those are those reports still going to be meaningful for you considering a new way that we're going to be working as we transform your organization? Okay. So if you think about it, we need to understand what our outcomes are and the leading agile way when we first come in we help an organization achieve stability we're trying to align teams obtain metrics make and meet commitments improve the system have stable throughput have a strategic roadmap develop a release plan and have the ability to do rolling wave backlog planning okay this way we can deliver real value for the business well so let's let's just pick one of those things so if we talk about um the backlog, because we, we've talked about that before, and that is one of the first things that we want to do is make sure they have a well-formed backlog. Um, if you walk in and it's brand new and they're just coming out of the waterfall, what what kind of things would you measure at a current state and what kind of things would you be looking at in a future state that you would want to move towards? What measurements would you want to move towards? Yeah, so honestly, I would measure what I want to manage. So in the future state, all of the things that we would actually measure, um, we're going to look at what our baseline is now. So it could be, um, and it really depends on the problem we're solving for the organization, but initially we're looking at what is the team's velocity? Um, do they have um, three sprints of ready backlog? Um, do they understand what that even means? Because sometimes they, they're not even at a place where they can even define that. Some teams we go to, they're already doing Scrum and they understand how to story point and they've been doing sprints. So it really depends on where they're at. Um, some of the other things we might start to look at is um, are they able to meet commitments? So when we look at not just stories, but even features, um, if we've committed a feature to a given release plan in the past, have they been able to actually meet that commitment? And what percentage of non-committed work has come into play? Um, taking a look at those things and where their um, focus is. Okay, so before I want to ask you some questions about this too, but before I do that, can you? Um, I just I did a call this morning with a client of ours, and we were talking about their their company's definition of epic feature theme and story. So you just talked about, and I've explained to them like everybody's got their own definition. Um, you just talked about features and stories. So can you clarify what the difference between the two is, for, yeah. in, in the context of what you're talking about? So I'm going to do it in a very basic way because okay. if we start to get very literal, yeah, we I don't have to do that. that. Everyone's going to yeah. yeah. So a basic way. Um, a story can be delivered in one to three days. A feature can be delivered in one to three sprints. Okay. All right. Um, so let's say that we start out and everybody's like, oh, we got to track velocity. You talked about um, the percent of work. I think you, I'm going to say this the way another person said it to me That this and see if this is what you were talking about. One of the companies that I did an interview with, they track the velocity and they want to see stable or consistent velocity. So they're tracking fluctuation from sprint to sprint, but yep. they're also tracking the fluctuation in what percent of the work that was accepted is the work that was originally planned. Mm -hmm. So they might get 45 points done every single sprint, but in this sprint, only 20 of those 45 points were the things we planned at the beginning of the sprint. The other 25 got injected in and were swapped for something else. Yep. Okay. Yep. 
So you're not just looking at your um, point completion ratio. A lot of times I like to throw in what your user story completion ratio is as well. So the number of stories that you committed versus the number that you're actually um, delivering because there can be variations in that, but essentially you might end up having the same committed story points, right? And that can help tell a little bit more of a tale if you don't have the specifics. Okay. And you, and do you think it's important to look at multiple factors like those two things, plus maybe like defects and, and, and other stuff like that to really get the whole picture? Because if you just go with velocity, that's kind of a very myopic way of looking at what's going on. Yeah, and I don't even like to use velocity as the main metric. I, I like to use velocity variance, right? Okay. Um, because I, because when you start to use velocity, sometimes people get competitive, and um, some people don't understand what it means, and they like to compare one team versus another with velocity, and you're not comparing the same variables sometimes. Okay. So. Um, what I like to do is talk about velocity variance. So what is the percentage variance um, that they've had from sprint to sprint? And that can tell a better story as well. Okay. So up or down, if they had uh, bugs that came in, um, we usually don't story point bugs because we're looking at the value um, work that we're story pointing. So are you, okay, are you, are you tracking points for value then? Yes, absolutely. Ah, and how do you, okay, so I was going to take you up a level, but now I'm going to stay here for a second. Okay. Um, how are you, when you're working with a new client, quantifying value? You, right. And then so, you can wave your hands in a circle now if you want to, when you, when you answer it. Yeah, it, <laughs> the, the classic consultant answer, it depends, right? Um, so we have to meet them where they are, but yeah. try to get you to a point where we are, Look, we want to get them to a point where the, we're delivering as much as possible on the strategic plan. So when we're looking at strategic alignment, that first state in our governance uh, model um, from the top down, we want to understand the work that's in that state. If we have things coming in that aren't going through strategy, um, working its way down, those are things that we don't necessarily want to say are value. They're creeping in. Yeah. Um, they're part of the plan. And when we're looking at the, trying to be predictable as part of strategic alignment, as part of the strategy where we can try to commit to an actual plan, if we're putting things, if, if we're measuring our velocity based on things that aren't part of strategy, it's going to be really hard to be predictable when it comes to uh, making those commitments at the top level. Okay. Yes, because we're looking at the percentage of work it, that our team can actually contribute to that particular um, thing that we're committing to. Um, there's other ways around it, right? So um, if you wanted to story point everything, which I don't like to do because then we start to get into the getting credit for things and utilization. And, and we want to try to shift away from that to the, uh, to the discussion around value. Well, so, okay. Well, hold on though, because I want to talk about getting credit. <laughs> I, I want to maybe buy an argument for the credit thing. So, um, all the thing. But before we get into this, this part of it, all the things that we're talking about, these are metrics that if you walk into a brand new organization and they don't know what to track, I can see where you would offer this up as like a sushi menu. Like, here's a bunch of stuff that we would normally track. Let's look at that. Um, and just as a starting place, and they're all mostly, most of them are lagging indicators that describe maybe symptoms more than anything else. Um, but they're not, you're answering the question that you have, and they don't even know what their question is yet. Is that right? 
Well, they, is it know fair to they say have that? problems in places, right? A lot of times we'll go in and they say, we have a quality problem. Every time we push to production, something breaks. Yeah. Uh, you know, we know, we having conversations with them and just understanding their landscape helps us to understand the problems that are going on and really helps us to focus on what met, because like you said, we have a Rolodex of metrics, like a sushi yeah. menu, right? Um, and, and you want to understand what's available. And you want to build the system so you can be able to pull metrics at any time. But if you're using every single metric uh, from the start, that can be a little overwhelming and probably too much overhead. So we want to focus on the things that we are trying to improve. And once we improve them, that's where we go to Basecamp 2. Right. Okay. Well, I don't want to go to base camp two yet. I want to stay in base camp one right okay. now. <laughs> Sorry. Let's do it. <laughs> okay. So what's wrong with uh, just, just to kind of frame up the credit question, a team is working on something in a sprint when they get it to an accepted state, meaning the product owner, whoever's playing that role says, this is ready to ship. The team earns those points, but they don't earn them until it's been accepted. Um, and, you're saying we should not look at giving them credit because it's more about value, but what's wrong with them looking at it as them getting credit? I mean, don't they need that reward in the beginning? Well, I think that it's shifting the conversation. Completing the work, I think, is good. Um, you know, say, yes, we've completed this. We're in a better place. Um, but if we're still trying to do it to prove something um, that we've completed this much work, right, if it's not really, um, if it's work that isn't really um, driving our actual value um, from an initiative standpoint, if it's just, you know, bugs and, and special requests that came from other departments and, and tech debt. Just doing lots of things. Yeah, why are we celebrating that? Okay. Not to say, not to say that, it, you know, I'm not saying it's wrong. Right? Yeah, and sometimes just, you I are going like, to work like that, but you don't right, want to be distracted it, by it. Yeah, and it depends, right? Every team's different, and if the organization is large, we definitely. I would. I'm geared more towards this. Let's measure the value piece, right? Yeah. If it's just the one team, I tend to give a little bit more flexibility, but still err on the side of let's measure the value. Okay. Okay. So it depends on what you're after, and if it was. Um, maybe a brand new organization, just getting them to pay attention to something other than a Gantt chart might be a good step. But you want to evolve them towards more mature questions and answers. Yeah, and on top of that, it's really about a conversation. What can support the conversation and the story around what's actually going on in your organization? Okay. Now, you said in the beginning that, that this whole thing is about understanding the problem, and I completely agree with you. But... I also am thinking about all the people who think the problem is they have to be agile. I mean, how, like, if you, let's, from a conversational standpoint, forget about the metrics for a second, how do you kind of social engineer that shift in mindset so that, or, or what, what tips do you have for folks that are trying to create that conversation so that they can help management see that agile is not the thing that you're after. Agile is... A, a, an approach you can take to solve a problem that you might not even see yet. Yeah. Why do you want to be agile? Because it's cool. Because we'll be faster. That, uh, okay. Why do you want to be faster? So you're going to go all five whys on them then? Yes, I'm going to go all five whys on them. <laughs> you caught me before the fifth. Yeah. Okay. 
Um, really, so so that's where when um, I first meet them, and I'm talking about what this agile governance model that we are, are teaching them, what that looks like in the tool, I get them to the place of why are we doing this, right? Because okay. we're really trying to drive real business value. And initially, what we're trying to do is get them to a place of increased responsiveness, right? Yeah. Not just not just a point of, oh, I can do things faster, but um, that we actually have the ability to do it. Uh, we want increased predictability, we want to improve our quality, and based on those things, if we can do that, we know that we'll achieve an earlier return on our investment. Okay. All right. So um, for the people that aren't familiar with the Leading Agile approach, we take a base camp approach to Agile transformation. So there's five different stages that you go through, and in each stage, there's different things you're trying to achieve. So at the first level, which we've been talking about for the last couple of minutes, you want to have stable teams. You want to have a well-formed backlog. You want to have the consistent ability to deliver on what you promise to deliver. Um, and that's going to be one line of questioning. But I'm assuming when you move into Basecamp 2, at that point, you're, you're helping them find other questions. Is that correct? Well, yeah, then we're moving into um, focusing on uh, flow in the system. We want to reduce our batch size and get to a place where we have continuous improvement, continuous flow. Okay. Right? So Basecamp 2 is more about um, now that we have gotten us to a place of stabilization, um, it, it's that shift from being predictable to being able to respond to change, right? Okay. Uh, and getting us ready for a Basecamp 3 where we actually are able to respond to change. So if, if we're talking about the, the evolution of what they're measuring, I want to see if this if you agree with this. In the beginning, right, you come in to do transformation, brand new, new company that's never done this stuff before, that's just trying to get to Basecamp 1. It's reasonable to see them or normal to see them get a little wrapped around the axle velocity. Like that becomes a very important shiny metric. Even if it's a vanity metric, it's something that they're focused on. But as you move towards the second base camp and they start to look at flow, then it's not so much about how many points did we do, it's how long did it take for this idea to go from somebody having it to the thing that we can actually touch. Right. Okay. And then we'd we be looking for ways that moves a little more lean at that point. Exactly. When we get to the point where we can see value in a um, shorter period of time by reducing our batch sizes, by actually focusing on finishing the thing that we're committing to and not focusing on all of the shiny objects that have nothing to do with that thing that we're committed to from a strategy perspective. Okay. So when you walk in, even though you're walking in as the metrics unicorn, uh, I can't remember all the words you use, but yeah, the, but you're I, I, really I, teaching them to ask. If you're like the question person, like you're there to teach them different questions or how to think about different questions. Yeah, but it's more than that. It's also about building a system that they can actually use to solve their problems, right? So a lot of times I'm coming in, and especially with Jira, this is it gives us the biggest flexibility to be able to do what we need to do. And uh, the one reason why I actually like working with Atlassian is because it stretches me to improve on my skill set, right? Okay. So I'm not a software developer, but guess right. what I'm doing with Atlassian stuff? I'm becoming a software developer. I have to, you know, it gives you the ability to actually create the uh, user experience that you want them to actually uh, have. So 
this way they can really understand why they're doing the work that they're doing in the system. So we've built in messages. Um, so this way, once they're in an edit screen, they're able to see all of the why behind something. And, and then once they're trained, those messages can go away and they can selectively turn them off in their screen as well. So it, it's really not just a tool for um, saying, yes, we can capture all the metrics, but why are we doing this? Why is this part of my job? And why are these steps appropriate? So seeing the why, the thing you were just describing, that's sort of a in, in place of a user story, I'm assuming, or at least with intention. Like the idea is to make sure somebody understands why does somebody want this thing or why do they want it to do what we're asking it to do? Well, it, yes, but also why are we working in this new model that Leading Agile is teaching us? Okay. So clarity around why the transformation is occurring as well as the actual practices. Right, okay. right. At the delivery team, it's not um, as much of a challenge because we, uh, the things that we teach at the delivery tier are pretty much industry standard. You've got your basic Kanban, your, your Scrum, your combination of both. Um, not to say that we teach that, but the things that are at that tier are known. It's the stuff that we're trying to teach at the portfolio and program or product tier that are not really available readily in industry um, and things that are very unique to how we're trying to frame things. So this way, the delivery teams can actually commit to the strategy because the strategy is clear. Okay. Okay. And so, so then you're building in okay. that workflow at those tiers so they can understand the why behind the things that they're putting in there. And it's not just motions in the system. Okay. And who do you see most often um, capturing this information? At, well, let me actually, let me give you the background for this. So I was just looking mm -hmm. at a client's, they had like built like a kind of a cheat sheet for their teams to think about Scrum with. Um, and one of the things it said was that the product owner provides reporting about how things are tracking towards the release and, you know, the portfolio or the program and stuff like that. And I, I can't say that's wrong, but I don't know if I'd expect the product owner to do that. Like whose job is it to capture and deliver all this stuff? Yeah. So I think the right answer is that it's the team's job. Okay. <laughs> so what I'm saying is there's not really, as long as there is somebody on the team or a combination of somebody's on the team who are capturing this information, yeah. I'm not going to say, no, that's not your job. What this other person should be doing it. Right. If we're actually a self-organizing team, uh, the whole team should be able to jump in and help with this. So the whole team should be in the system, especially if they're contributing to the work in the system, because we want it as real time as possible in order to get the flow based metrics. Okay. But you're not, you're also not going to tell them this is your job to some person on the team you have to do this i mean initially um our coaches might do that because we have to meet them where they are and if they're used to a individual structure right we, we may they may be asking for that and it may okay. be a start but we want to at least get them to the point where we can be first stable and predictable before we can start to get them to a place where now that they know this stuff, we can start to look at more autonomy and focusing on um, um, really improving the system from there. Okay. So I want to ask you sort of a weird sideways question that 
if Mike listens to this, might make him angry, but I'm going to ask it anyway. Um, <laughs> but you won't get in trouble for it. I will. Um, uh, we'll see about that. <laughs> so, so I've and we've talked about this before. So I, you know, use personal Kanban to manage my own stuff, and I started doing this bullet journal thing experiment to try to see if any of that was going to help me. And I'm tracking like double stuff, and I'm tracking a lot of things in this journal that. I don't even know if there if there's a point to them. Like after the first two months of doing it, I'm like, okay, I fill this thing out every day, and it's you know all colorful, and all the little boxes are filled in. But what is the point of tracking this? Like, what is it actually telling me? Does that happen with new teams? Like, you might set them up with six or seven things to look at, and at the end of a month, they're like, yeah, we keep looking at this one thing, and I I don't know what it's telling us or why we're looking at it. Yeah, I'm sure it does. And I think that as soon as that happens, you need to ask yourself why you're doing it. Okay. Don't just do something because it's it, it's part of a ritual, right? Right. Um, understand what the value is behind it also before you make the change, right? So if it's, why am I doing this? Well, what was the purpose of it first, right? And if you're not seeing that value, let's figure out why we're not seeing that value. And does it make sense for us to see it in that way? Or is there another way we can approach it? Okay. So two two important points here. One is don't be afraid to walk away from anything. Um, this is that like if you meet the Buddha on the road, kill him thing. Just because everybody else tracks it doesn't mean you have to, right? Well, yeah. I mean, but here's the thing. If you absolutely have a problem and that's supposed to be helping you um, – understand your problem yeah help you understand if you're getting better and you don't like the answer don't walk away because you don't like the answer okay all right so because we see that too (laughs) yeah but and that is i think across the board one of the problems with switching over to agile is it makes all the broken stuff so obvious um so there's going to be stuff that they're going to start to track that may or may not be valuable, and they might have to decide that this is something they don't want to do. They should always be asking questions about why are they tracking this? What is it actually telling them? Um, one of the things that I find is when I'm tracking stuff, there are some things that I track that um, they may not have apparent value, but there's a cost, an emotional cost with not tracking it. Um, a feeling or a fear or an anxiety. And I think if an organization, I just want to see where you are with this. If an organization feels like, oh, we have to track that because we've always tracked it and it makes us too uncomfortable to not track it, is that valid? No. Okay. Only if you think it's going to break a core component or core capability in your business. And I'll give you an example. Um, Tracking time. Yes. Um, we've always done it. This is how we've always done it. Blah, blah, blah. Well, you know, we've seen many companies who make the switch, right? Um, so the switch to they, what? To not tracking time? Yeah. Okay. To tracking from, from utilization to value, right? What, what are we actually tracking? And we can understand okay. the, uh, cost of a team, right? Cause we know how much we're paying them and we know how much the space is that they're using and, and the things that they're using. So we can understand how much it costs for the team. And then we can understand that the, what work they're doing. So we understand what the cost is of that work. Okay. Right. Yeah. So uh, that, that's one thing. Um, and, I actually think it's a good thing to feel uncomfortable because if you're in a point of, all right, I feel uncomfortable and I'm not even sure why I'm attached to this, but I'm attached to it. That's where, um, 
I like to think through a Tim Ferriss thing, and I love him, as you know, uh, as most people have already heard. <laughs> um, although he hasn't been doing much lately. But um, so for Tim Ferriss, he does this thing called fear setting. What is the worst thing that could happen? Right? right. So if we took this thing called time tracking away, what is the worst thing that could happen? And what is our mitigation plan for that? So it's almost like a risk. Well, okay. Balance around it yeah but this is so we're going to end up in the same answer but from totally different reasons so i was i took a class in tracking your own personal stuff on this particular issue came up like i'm doing this thing every day do i really need to do it and they were like well it's a habit you don't need to do it and so the question for me became and this was sort of maybe back to your five wise wise thing okay i'm afraid to let go of this thing why why am i afraid to let go of it what actual value does it provide and the value that it provided was totally unrelated with the actual tracking of the thing so there was another thing that it was doing for me which was because i travel all the time my schedule's always changing and i just need to know that these core things that i need to do to keep it together every day that they get done so it was answering a different question than than it looked like it was on the surface. So I think to, you know, what's the worst that's going to happen? Do you find that people ever discover that if we leave out tracking velocity or we leave out tracking value or cycle time or whatever, that um, maybe it doesn't break the thing on the surface that you thought it would, but you find that there's something else that it breaks? Yeah, so the good thing about cycle time, and especially if we're already doing story points, um, velocity, things like that, and I wouldn't say don't track velocity because that's for the team, um, but let's say they decide for whatever reason not to do cycle time. I'm, I'm just using that as an example. I'm not saying that we would, would say that. You still have the ability to go get that metric if you want it. Just because it's not there in front of you doesn't mean that it's If you're not using an electronic available. system. Right. Right. Because if you're on paper, then you probably can't go back and pull stuff you didn't capture in the first place. Yeah. Um, I have a lot of um, thoughts about the whole paper versus system um, thing. And I like both. So, okay. But I like when you're doing both, there's some overhead associated with it. Um, so... Well, so I that's a perfect example of what I was just talking about. It's waste in the system that you put in there because it provides some additional benefit that isn't maybe quite as direct, but it is a benefit. Right. And that, and that could be a cost that you choose to accept. Exactly. Yes. Okay. So I think that's a, that is a wonderful example. Yep. Okay. So if people, um, this was a really, really good start. If people have more questions about this, what's the best way for them to get in touch with you? Uh, lately, it's been my email because I haven't had time lately. to check social media <laughs> stuff. <laughs> you haven't had time to do what? So Sorry. The, check the LinkedIn's and the Twitter. Ah, okay. Um, so let's just go with the Leading Agile email. Okay. Jessica.wolf at leadingagile.com. Okay. And they can also find you on Twitter and LinkedIn and all that stuff. And I'll make sure yes. to include links to that, even though you're not checking it right now with any degree of regularity. Are you I'm tracking just... why you're not checking it, though, Jessica? Um. <laughs> So, yes, I am, because it's it's one of those things where I go on there and I see something else, and then I go oh, down a squirrel, a squirrel tangent, yeah. and then I, I realize, wait, I need to get back to focusing on finishing and improving my throughput personally for the things that I've committed to do at Leading Agile. <laughs> All right, cool. Well, this was really great. Thank you for doing this. I appreciate it, especially on a, on a Friday afternoon. And we haven't heard anything from your coworker. Is he there? Does he want to say hi to us before oh, we go? Oh, I'm sure. He's pooped. So he did his first agility class today. What was um, his velocity? You 
<laughs> well, apparently good. Um, they were showing me the videos of him, and he caught on really well. Um, he was mostly following the treats. Okay. But, um, yeah, he did really good. I think that, you know, he was brought into this wolf family, and um, Agile is in his nature, so it's just what it is. <laughs> awesome. Well, that's good. Please tell him congratulations for all his hard work. I will. <laughs> all right. Thanks a lot. Have a great weekend. Yep, you too.